What's up, team? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast, the spot to get your mind right. Can't just train the body, got to train the mind. We have my dear friend, Mike O'Connell Jr. He's a pastor at Love Church in Omaha, you know, speaker. Iowa State Cyclone. I can't wait to hear that story. I think I could beat you in a one-on-one matchup, but we can, <sighs> we can do that. Um, husband, father, three beautiful kids, uh, amazing wife, and I'm just pumped to have this conversation. Game recognized game. Your vibe attracts your trauma. I'm wearing my OC chain right now. Come on. What's up, How are you? I'm so good, man. Thanks for having me on the show, dude. It's so good to kick it with you. Yeah, we've been uh, vibing for about a year. We, um, we're, we're very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, college athletes, uh, fathers of a lot of children. Um, we love Jesus. We love leadership and mindset. We love serving. But uh, your story is pretty cool, man. Let's just walk us through how you got started. Your journey to Iowa State. I will have just doing amazing things now as a speaker slash uh, amazing just leader of the, the word of, of, of God. Yeah, man. So I grew up in Iowa City, Iowa, which is crazy because that's where the, the Iowa Hawkeyes are located. So, man, I always uh, I always catch uh, some shade, you know, for going to the dark side, so to speak. So your boy left Iowa City, Iowa and went to Iowa State University. And, uh, you know, I, the crazy thing about this whole story, man, is so I, long story short, I suffered a couple uh, big time injuries towards the tail end of my high school career, perforated valve, my last game of my junior year uh, in the in the playoffs. And then the first game of my senior year, I broke my foot and had to have screws put in. So um, because of these major injuries, a lot of the D1 schools uh, extended me walk-on op- opportunities, but none of them would, you know, grant me a scholarship coming out of high school. So your boy had uh, some offers at some Division One AA schools or Division Two schools, but I wanted to play at the highest level. And so on signing day, 2006, uh, I decided I was going to walk on at the University of Iowa. So Uh, crazy story. Two weeks after that decision, the admissions department uh, notified me that I didn't get into school there. Uh, Long story short, I went to a small private school and to be in the top half of my graduating class, I had to have a 3.65. I was a 3.3 student, B plus average, you know, any other high school in the state, I would have been in the top 50%. Well, one of the requirements to get in at the University of Iowa was you had to be in the top 50% of your high school graduating class. So because of this reason, uh, I didn't get into school. Well, we tried to press back and fight it. And I met with the provost at the university. And I'll never forget this conversation. It's relevant to the story. But this lady looked at me and she said, data just shows us that if we let you into school here, you'll fail out in your first semester. It was the first time that somebody had really spoken failure over my life. And I remember I walked out of that room. And my mom looked at me and she's like, hey, you know, there's some other avenues that we could exhaust to try to make this happen. You know, do you want to do that? And I just said, you know, mom, I think God has a different plan for me. And at this time, I wasn't really pursuing God. But, you know, now now I can look back on this story and there's no question that God was directing my path to Iowa State. So I started off there as a walk on man. (laughs) I got dressed in the visitor's locker room, like carried a little egg crate to the to the main locker room on. On Saturdays, they put me in a corner with, you know, with a little stick as a freshman. So like humble, humble, humble beginnings and uh, played for three head coaches, lettered four seasons, became a team captain, earned a scholarship. So uh, it ended up being an incredible story. And and uh, I'll never forget my experience at Iowa State. 
But that's really, man, where my faith journey took off. So when I really look back and fast forward to, you know, this season of life being in Omaha, Nebraska, there's no way I'm in this city if I don't go to Iowa State because I got connected to Todd Doxson, who's the lead pastor at the church I serve at, through our team orthopedic surgeon at Iowa State. So that relationship never forms if I don't go to school there. So kind of crazy, man. And hey, Can and, you tell uh, us the story when they offered you a scholarship and you worked your butt off to get that? Oh, my goodness. That was just wild. So here's the crazy part. And I think that this story, uh, it's funny you ask me that because not a lot of people ask me that question, but there's a principle within this story. So uh, like I said, I mentioned I played for three different head coaches. So Dan McCartney was the head coach when I got there, and he was only there for my first season when I redshirted. Then Gene Chizik came in, and I played for him uh, for two years. And towards the tail end of that two years, you know, I had lettered. Uh, I was in the two deep. I had played a lot of defensive snaps my sophomore season and returned punts and, you know, started on all special teams. And so their staff was getting ready to put me on scholarship. Well, he dipped and took the job at Auburn and, you know, went and won a natty title with Cam Newton. But Paul Rhodes comes in and, you know, basically he says, hey, uh, you know, we know what you've done at this university. We want to take care of you. Just come out in spring practice and, you know, basically prove to us what you've already proven to these past staffs and we'll make sure that, that you're taken care of. Well, I came out that spring and just had a terrible spring. For whatever reason, I just – I wasn't focused mentally. I was wait, making a lot of mental mistakes. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because when I sat down with my position coach to have my, you know, spring meeting – he basically said, hey, man, you're probably not going to play much on defense this year. And when I when I received that challenge, I was like, I was done, dude. I was checked out. Like, I, I, I had lost my mental edge, and it just pushed me over the edge. And I remember I called my dad, and I said, I think I'm done, man. Like, I'm going to just go finish my career at a smaller school. I love this game too much. I'm sick of the politics, you know. I'm sick of taking five steps forward and then, you know, eight steps back. And, and I was done, dude. And uh, later that day, right after I'd called my dad, um, one of my, one of my mentors who was a team captain a few seasons prior to this, he had since moved on. He was back in town and he, he stopped over at the crib and we were sitting on the top of my, of my house in Ames, Iowa. And I was telling him what I was processing through. And he looked at me and he said, he said, are you ready to give up on the rest of the story that God wants to write here? I mean, look how far you have come. Come on, man. Like, you're not done yet. And, uh, dude, that is exactly what I needed to hear in that moment to kind of snap me back into the mindset that had gotten me to this point. I mean, I was an overcomer. I was persevering. I was making the most of, of, of every little small opportunity that I was given. Yet, in a, in a weak moment... I almost gave up and thankfully God had surrounded me with the right people. Well, fast forward four months after this moment, we're in fall training camp and I go win the starting job. And uh, it's a Sunday night during, uh, during fall camp. We had just done a walkthrough in our indoor facility and Paul Rhodes, our head coach, uh, anytime we would have like a walkthrough setting, he'd always bring the team up and he would, 
he'd he'd call on one of the uh, players to break out the huddle. Well, on this particular night, he he kind of paused and he was like looking around the room, and then he just locked eyes with me and he said, "OC, our newest scholarship member." And the team just went bananas, dude. Like it was. Next thing you know, I'm like on top of lineman's shoulders, you know. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, I would have loved to come into Iowa State with a scholarship. That was my dream since I was a little kid. But I can tell you this much, an offer over the phone or an offer through a letter was not as exciting as, uh, as the way I received that scholarship. And honestly, I learned so much and my character was developed so much in those two years that I actually believe that today I'm the man who I am and God is using me in ways that he is because my character was developed in that season. I always say this, I'd rather be overdeveloped and underexposed than underdeveloped and overexposed. I don't just want to get on the stage. I want to stay on the stage. And I believe that it's our character that keeps us there. And so, man, sometimes we got to go through the valley in order to, uh, to be developed. We're developed in the dark room, baby. And we can spend the whole the podcast on that, but let's just put a pause on that one and then tell us uh, what happened after after school. You 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 tried to make it to the league. You you were close. Yeah, I was close, man. So I came out uh, 2010. I graduated. It was the year of the NFL lockout, worst time in history to try to make it in the league. Uh, but I went for it. Had an incredible pro day, and then got an opportunity once the lockout lifted. Uh, I got a workout with the Miami Dolphins, uh, didn't get signed. So I came back to Iowa and then I got picked up in the UFL, which was, you know, probably the closest thing now would be the USFL, that new league. It's a developmental league. And at the time I played uh, for the Omaha Nighthawks. I think 40 of the 53 guys on our roster had played in the league. So it was a great league, man. Good competition, 11 on 11 outdoor football. And I love that experience. So I played that one season in the UFL, and then I moved out to Los Angeles to train in the offseason to hopefully try to get picked up into a fall camp. And this is where my life kind of came to this interesting crossroads. And, you know, every athlete has to, has to you know, come to this moment. But I really think even if you're not an athlete, there are just these moments in life where you find yourself at a crossroads. You know, which direction am I going to go? And that's really where I was. Um, it, it got to a point where I had some opportunities to keep keep playing ball. Um, I didn't I didn't get a chance to uh, to be invited to an NFL camp. Was really close, but uh, it fell through. And so I got to this point where I was really asking a lot of questions. You know, there was no Plan B for me. You know this as a former athlete. I mean, when you're when you're going down that pathway. You, it's like all chips are in. So I hadn't really thought about, man, what does life look like beyond this moment? And I had a lot of questions and it really was a season that I went through where I had to kind of discover who am I? How did God make me? What are my other giftings? How can I make a difference in this world? And I was living out in Los Angeles and I uh, linked up with Todd Doxson and this guy named Frank Frank Ramsewer, and I was uh, just kind of letting those two know where I was at in my life. At the time, they were both pastors, one in Omaha, one in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Pastor Frank looked at me. He, he was leading a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
And he said, Hey man, like you're not, you don't have your life started out here in Los Angeles. You're not planted out here. Like, why don't you move to Omaha and uh, start serving in this church, studying God's word and just see what he does. And I remember just looking at him uh, a little bit sideways. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm in sunny Los Angeles, like on the beach. What do you mean? Go to Omaha. It was striker. So not, a, not, yeah, yeah. So, so check this out. So, so he challenges me with this. I'm living in LA. Two weeks later, I pack my 2009 Dodge Avenger, drive 30 hours to Omaha, Nebraska, no job, no place to live. I just came in complete faith. And I get here in this city. And one month after being here, I get a call out of the blue from, uh, from, the, from the regional sales rep at Stryker. And he's like, hey, I got a job for you, man, if you want it. And so then, yes, I got to Omaha. I started uh, selling medical devices for Stryker. And I did that for two and a half years before stepping into full-time ministry. Was that hard to, to make the, the leap from, from devices to go to uh, with, with the uh, church? Like, oh, so what, absolutely. What, 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 what called you to do that? It's a great question. Uh, absolutely. It was, it was very difficult. And the reason why it was difficult is because, you know, my pathway to ministry was so unconventional. Like, you know, it's not like I was raised by pastors or I grew up in in the Protestant church. Like I grew up going to Catholic private school, you know, preschool through 12th grade. And then, you know, I, I felt like, you know, in college was when I really came to Christ and started this whole relationship with God and, you know, had some great mentors around me while I was at Iowa State. But, you know, I, I felt like I was an entrepreneur. I got a marketing degree. Like I want to be involved. I, I either wanted to be a, a college football coach or I wanted to, you know, be in sales or run my own business. That's just kind of how I'm wired. And so when this when this moment came in 2014, where the lead pastor approached me and said, hey, we'd love to bring you on staff. Um, I had just gotten married. Like it was going to be a major shift uh, in the financial trajectory of my life. Obviously, you know this because you spent some time in medical device. And uh, but man, after spending some time in prayer, uh, the, the way I like to say this is there was just a peace in my heart when I, when I would, when I thought about taking that leap of faith and, and when I thought about staying where I was, there was a lack of peace. And so I, I let, I let the, I let the peace in my heart direct me in that season. And, uh, now looking back on that decision, there's no question that I am where I need to be in this particular season of my life. I think there's two things I want to dig deep in after hearing your origin story is how to persevere. You've experienced all that in your life. And then number two is how to take a leap of faith and yep. change things up and just trust God's plan. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's challenging, it's confusing, it's scary, but you, you take it anyway. So which one of those two do you, do you want to start with? I'll start with uh, perseverance. Okay. Let's Give us some tools. I, I know, uh, one of your big things we might talk about later is about the power of vision. Yeah, I was. I was. It's it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I was going to connect it to. Yeah, I think. So, I so think. I list some tools because we're going through interesting times in the world. Our our country kind of kind of getting out of COVID. Uh, working environments are changing. Um, just give us some tools, man. Totally, man. Well, the first thing I would say is this. One of my favorite quotes is from Michael Hyatt. He says this. 
is um, if you don't have vision, you will drift into the future and nobody drifts to a desired destination. And so the, the reason why vision is so powerful is because when you have a vision for your future and, and, you're, and you're just continuing to work towards that vision and see that vision come to fruition, then when you, when you go through a difficult season or a difficult circumstance or a difficult time, you can recognize that that's just part of the journey. That's part of the process. But when you don't have vision, when you don't see or you're going hard after something, then when you start to run up against uh, something that is difficult or something that looks like a setback, then more, like, more than likely, that's the, the season that you see a lot of people try something different, give up on the direction that they were moving in. But when that vision is compelling, when you believe in that vision, when you know that that vision will come to fruition if you will, will just uh, stick to it, then you can pass through those valleys believing that there's a brighter day on the other side. And I've just experienced that. I always say this, let the discomfort develop you. You can have comfort or growth, but you can't have both. So you just better get it in your mind. I, I know that oftentimes, especially in our culture now, we live in the microwave culture, man. We want it today, right? When I'm hungry, I can go to McDonald's. Come on, Burger King says that you can have it your way. Jimmy John's freaky fast. We live in Amazon Prime culture. Most of us want our dreams to show up like Amazon Prime in two days. But that, let me just tell you, that is not how life works. And so we've been conditioned, and, and you're the mindset guy, so man, maybe you can speak in this. We've been conditioned in our minds to think that this is how purpose calling is going to show up. But anything that is good takes time. Man, the weeds sprout up way faster than the stuff that I planted in my garden. Why is that? Because it ain't the real thing. Mm -hmm. but, but there's just a reason why God, I think, sometimes, because I think God cares more about the process. He cares more about the journey than the destination. And most of us have destination addiction. And the reality is, is there's so much that's happening in us. There's so much that God wants to deposit in us before he wants to do something through us. And so I've just learned that I need to persevere. That's just part of the story. That's just part of the journey. And so, um, but it's going to take grit. It's going to take, man, it's going to take having a circle. Listen, I wouldn't have persevered in that moment if I didn't have people around you. Uh, around me. And so uh, I always say this, the atmosphere you permit decides the product that you produce. You're becoming like the five people that you hang with. And so I need some, I need some soldiers, some warriors in my life that are going to say, Hey man, it, no, you ain't giving up. Keep going. You, you ain't tapping on that marriage. You ain't giving up on your kids. Come on, man. It ain't, it ain't time to give up on that job yet. And, uh, and, and I'm thankful that I've got people like that in my life, like you, that are like, hey, man, there's more in you. Keep going. Brothers. Hey, uh, what happens if we don't have a clear vision? What happens if someone doesn't have vision? If you preach vision, but someone doesn't know or doesn't believe or doesn't have, it's kind of a muddy picture. How yeah, do we absolutely. craft and create this vision to help us move forward? Because I, I'm in totally a great story. I can see you on your rooftop. And you're done and your buddy's like go back to your purpose your why your vision you came here to play ball and earn a scholarship you're not going to stop now so you had that vision some people don't 
For sure. Well, I think, you know, we're, we live in, we're overstimulated and we're under disciplined. We, we've just become, I mean, we are inundated with so much information in our culture. Um, and there's so much noise that we've allowed, you know, into our, into our lives that we can't even think straight half the time. And so the first thing that I would tell somebody that feels like they're lacking vision is, man, how do you, how do you create some quiet in your life, some stillness, some time to think, some time to reflect. Most of us are uncomfortable sitting in those places because we become conditioned. Low-grade anxiety has just become our norm. And so the noise actually keeps us, uh, man, just functioning. We've learned to be functional in our dysfunction. The reality is, though, is we need to, here's the cool thing. Vision is free, man, because guess what? It, it requires that you tap into your imagination. God gave you that. But so many of us have allowed the enemy to hijack that thing. So we never imagine. We never dream. We, we never even allow our minds to go to that space or place. So what I would say to somebody that's struggling with vision is you just need to, you need to get quiet for a season. You need to eliminate the noise in your life. Oh, on a practical level, man, write it down. I always say this. It's not vision until it's written down. <laughs> it's got to be written down plainly on tablets so that when, when you look at that thing, uh, man, you can start to visualize it, internalize it, and um, start taking practical steps towards making that thing come to fruition. But don't get frustrated. Actually embrace the process. Embrace the unknown. There is an element of faith to this. That's what I'll say. Because guess what? In my life, the future hasn't always been clear. I've actually had seasons where I didn't know. I didn't know what the next step was going to look like. But I did. So like God didn't give me the full picture, but he gave me the next step. So here's the cool thing. And there, here's a cool story. I mean, you can look at all the, all the, all the people that we... You know, go look at the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, man. You've got like Abraham and Joseph and all these cats. And the cool part about their stories is oftentimes they didn't, they didn't know what the end was going to look like. But they knew what the next step was. And so some of us just got to be willing to activate our faith to say, you know what? I actually don't have vision for this season, but I know the next step. So I'm going to take the next step. And as I take the next step, I believe the next step's going to be revealed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I wrote down a few things. You know, at oh, Master Mindset, it's all about action, baby. We all, we all about that action. Okay. Action. We're, not just, we're not just theory based OC, but you inspired some things in me. I think number one is stillness. Get quiet. Allow yourself, carve out time, carve a weekend getaway, uh, carve out a few hour walk or hike in nature uh, with the intent to, 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 number two, then listen. Mm -hmm. You don't need all the noise. You don't need all the stimulus around you? Are you disciplined enough to put away the gadgets, put away the instant gratification, put away all the stimulus and just be one to connect this energy, this wisdom from God is into, but we don't allow ourselves to be still to hear and listen. So get still. That. Actually, so escape, get away somewhere. If you're lacking vision, just get out of your environment. Get, get somewhere new. That's get it. out of your environment get somewhere new to be open i think when i go on trips like that's why i receive just like crazy things mm -hmm. because i'm out of environment but you need to listen and listen not to critique judge or do anything it's kind of like when you're talking to a friend who's going through something don't solve the problem just listen just say i'm, I'm here that's it okay and then 
I got three things. Once you're stillness and listening, I want number one, number one is to honor your dreams. Mm -hmm. Who says your dreams don't matter? Your feelings matter. Like honor them. You might have these hunches, omens, ideas, but do you really listen and you honor your own dreams? You'll support some of those dreams. You support your dreams. Like you're worthy to do abundant, amazing things. Mm -hmm. So honor your dreams. And you get these, these hunches or you start daydreaming, but honor those. That's not just these things that come up. Like you can, I mean, I don't know if you like the word manifest, but like with God's help, like these visions are coming to you. Like, yep, this is real. And then I think the second thing, which is, I think is the number one epidemic in our society is FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. So no FOPO. That's it. Like, if you feel called, if you feel the hunch, if you feel a nudge, if you feel an urge, stop worrying about what your parents are going to think, what your friends are going to say, what, uh, if you're at a, a current situation, a, a job, like what's going to happen. Like, again, honor your dreams and you can't control what other people think. So you're going to live your life trying to please and, um, get approval from what random people think. They're not thinking about you. Dude, I, here, here's what I want to say about that. That actually might, it, so going back to your original question was, hey, if, if somebody like doesn't feel like they have vision, what do they do? I would actually argue that the point you just gave them on FOPO, they, they press into that because my guess is that's actually what's blocking you right now. That, that's what's creating the blockage is we lack identity and we're filled with so much insecurity that, man, we're living for everybody else's approval. We've actually built our life up to this moment around what everybody else thinks. And in, the, in, in, the, in this lifestyle of pleasing other people, we've lost who we really are. And so mm -hmm. there's some deep work that actually I think could potentially be the starting point for some people. But it happens when you get away out of your environment and you go and be still so that so that you can actually reflect and let that come to the surface. And actually, once you realize and you talk about self-awareness all the time, but you can't change something that you're unaware of. So, man, that's why that reflection time, that quiet time is so crucial, because that could actually be prohibiting you from receiving the vision that God has for you. It might be a step to help with Vopo is doing a deep self-scout of shame, of yep. past mistakes, labels as people put on you, uh, hurtful things where you have a PTSD where your your body keeps score. And it's less of a mental, it's emotional thing that you just have these, these triggers mentally, emotionally that are making you block because of Vopo. So I think maybe some of this stillness and escape and you know, getting away and listening is like, okay, what are some moments I need to just forgive myself, forgive others and ask God to go into that point in my life and just start a new path. I'm not going to live in this reliving shameful cycle. hundred percent. Because like you've probably been hurt. You want to hurt again. So you're avoiding that feeling. hundred percent, man. Oh, unless you hurt, we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. So I would just kind of tap into that. And then uh, the last one is when you're in the stillness and you're listening, I think as much as you want to have the vision, I think let's imagine some, some actions. Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to have all of them, but like uh, who are some people that I can connect with? Like, what's a step? What's the next right step? What's, what are some, let's start imagining not only like the lifestyle, the, act, uh, the, the impact of like, what are some, some process behaviors that are in my control and like start mapping it, start to backward design in, in this, in this process. As much as we need vision, we need, we need process which would go into step two 
Um, you said something that was really interesting, uh, destination addiction. Mm-hmm. So as much as we need vision, we can't control outcomes. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid destination addiction? Well, is that bad you got or bad? I think you I think you gotta fall in love with the process. But do you see what I'm saying? I think I love vision because we need okay, we're I'm in Nashville. Um, I'm flying to Dallas, Texas next week and then Austin and then LA. Like I need to know where I'm going. Now, do I know the exact coordinates of how that not know, but I know where I'm going. But at the same time, we need process. Right? Mm-hmm. So how do we balance those those two? Well, so I think you marry your mission or you marry your vision, but you date your model or your method. And so it's, 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 it's understanding that I am committed to the vision, but I'm holding. I just got really excited, bro. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you marry your mission and you date your model, or you can say it like I marry my vision and I date my method, my model, my structure, whatever the case is. But most people, they're dating their, their vision or their mission. So as soon as it gets tough, they're not actually committed to that thing. No, I'm committed. I'm married to that thing, especially if God has, has spoken it over your life, right? And so when, when he has made that clear what that is, man, I know that that's the vision. Now, how I'm going to get there, the pathway that I'm going to take, the systems, the structures, the, all that, man, I'm, I'm holding that loosely because I'm, I'm recognizing that that could look different based upon the season that God has me in. Like, not just the season, but my network, the people in my life. I mean, you know this. Um, things just start to move faster and um, accelerate when you've got the right relationships, the right people, the right teammates. Um, and so, so for me, that's been actually really helpful. And I've also just recognized, again, going back to what I just said, that um, it's, it's the process. The, if you can learn to love the process, then the process will love you back. And so, and, and it just allows you to be patient in the process, to enjoy the process, to have fun in the process. But man, I think you're, that's, that's your vision, though. I mean, find a vision that gets you excited and you enjoy doing it. Why would you want a vision well, that you don't like it? I mean, there's well, going to be what, some challenging things you got to do to achieve the things you want. But the, the phrasing is, are you grinding or are you, are you grooving? Yeah. Mm, so good. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that's why the question is, is, is it your vision or someone else's? Because if it's someone else's, it's going to be stressful and you're not going to actually enjoy it. But mm-hmm. if it is really, if it's, if it's a vision from God and it aligns with how you're how you're wired, then man, you're going to actually enjoy it. And you, and God created you for that. Don't feel bad about that. Like we should love getting up in, in, in executing what he's asked us to contribute to the world. It's not even about us. It's about, man, it's about just we're image bearers and it just brings God a ton of glory when we're operating in how he's designed us and walking in purpose. That's it. So um, kind of my last question, we kind of talked about taking that leap of faith. We kind of covered how to persevere vision as the anchor. Said a lot of good things. I took a lot of notes. Uh, but as we kind of wrap up here, it's a T-Money, we got to roll in four minutes. But uh, what would be your advice or system or things to think about if somebody wants something? 
they got the vision. They want it now. How do I how do I fully fully uh, commit to it? Mm-hmm. Well, you you I always say this, man. You you step like it's up to God, but you work like it's up to you. You do your part, but at some point, there's gonna have to be a step of faith that you've got to take in this journey and in this process. And I think the thing that keeps most of us stuck is fear of failure. It's, it's, we've already, we've already, we've already allowed vain imagination into the future and we already see failure. We already see shortcoming. We, we already see embarrassment. We see new labels. And I think that keeps us stuck from actually stepping. But we've got to be, we have to overcome that in our, in our minds, man, in our minds. And when we can overcome, uh, when we can overcome that fear in our minds, then, then we can take a step of faith. Listen, uh, faith isn't necessarily the absence of fear, but it's being willing to step in the midst of it. I think that's something that we confuse sometimes is like, oh man, like, can I walk in faith when I'm experiencing fear? And the question is, yes, but who are you serving? <laughs> what are you bowing to? Is the fear keeping you stuck? Or are you can continuing to move forward in the midst of it? Because if you can move forward in the midst of it, uh, then, man, then you can step. And it's scary, man. Like, and that's the thing that I- I'd love to give you like a formula. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll, what I can say is that those seasons of, uh, of of where I've had to take major steps of faith, um, I've just had to count the cost. Well, and, and it, it takes practice. Maybe start small. I mean, it's it's start a, a real small emotional muscle that you can slowly develop. Yeah, but listeners, if there's one thing you've been thinking about, reading about, researching, dreaming about, you haven't done it. Uh, just get some get some people around you that you love and trust. Um, map out some some things. Um, you know. Create purpose and create that vision. Like maybe write it out. Um, give some, make a list of things. Maybe the, the the cost if you didn't do it, how you would feel, and and what you're working towards. Just kind of put some some effort around that. But uh, OC man, I love you so much, man. Killed it. I, it's too short, man. I can talk to you. I wanted to go hang out with you for like a few days. We just talk, bro. And oh, just, just go I'm, there. Your boy, I'm gonna come <laughs> to Nashville soon, man. We're gonna yeah, make we, this happen. Yeah, we were on a horse there a few months ago together, riding, riding where, man. In Colorado. <laughs> yeah. So let, let the listeners know where we can find you, man. Yeah, I think the, the easiest way to stay engaged with me right now would be on Instagram, Mike, three underscores, because I got a popular name, O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Um, connect with me on there and uh, just excited to excited to continue to go on the journey, man. I, I need to go to Omaha, period. I, I got to get there. But uh, T-Money, you know, man, you know what to do. The body has limits. But the mind is limitless. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.